The political world of Illinois was shaken to its core this week when U.S. Attorney John Lausch called a news conference to announce what many people thought might never happen. Today, a federal grand jury returned a 22-count indictment charging former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan and his close friend Michael McLean with racketeering conspiracy, bribery, wire fraud, and extortion offenses. After half a century in public office, is the final chapter of Michael Madigan's political career about to be written? We'll talk about that on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. In a 106-page federal indictment handed down Wednesday, federal prosecutors described what they have called the Madigan Enterprise, a sprawling network of political offices, fundraising committees, lobbyists, allies, and associates who made up an organization that had a singular purpose. The indictment accuses Madigan of leading, for nearly a decade, a criminal enterprise whose purpose was to enhance Madigan's political power and financial well-being while also generating income for his political allies and associates. For years, Michael Madigan was not only Speaker of the Illinois House, he was also Chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois, a member of the party's State Central Committee, Chairman of the 13th Ward Democratic Party Organization in Chicago, and a partner in the property tax law firm Madigan and Getzendanner. The indictment alleges that over a period of nearly a decade, Madigan used those positions to engage in a pattern of racketeering that included bribery, wire fraud, and attempted extortion to steer jobs and benefits to his political associates, as well as legal work to his law firm from clients that had business before the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. Madigan issued a statement through his attorney, vehemently denying the charges. I was never involved in any criminal activity, he said. Also named in the indictment is Madigan's longtime ally, Michael McLean, a former legislator who became a lobbyist for utility giant Commonwealth Edison. Much of what's laid out in the indictment was already known through a deferred prosecution agreement that ComEd entered into with federal prosecutors in 2020, charging the company with awarding lucrative contracts to friends of Madigan in exchange for passing favorable legislation in the General Assembly. Although Madigan wasn't charged at that time, it cost him political support among House Democrats. In January 2021, he failed to win re-election to a record 19th term as Speaker, giving way to the state's first Black House Speaker, Emmanuel Chris Welch. Roughly a month later, Madigan resigned his House seat and his chairmanship of the state party. But he remains a member of the state party's Central Committee and chairman of the 13th Ward Organization. Many State House observers questioned whether the feds would ever get Madigan himself a person who famously never used cell phones, emails, text messages, or social media, and thus never left much of a paper trail. House Republicans, however, launched an effort to oust Madigan from the House, using information in the deferred prosecution agreement to show Madigan 
had committed conduct unbecoming a legislator. But Democrats on the Special Investigating Committee, a committee chaired by the soon-to-be Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch, refused to go along. For those Democrats who protected Michael Madigan at the Special Investigation Committee, Speaker Welch, Representative Manley, and Representative Hernandez, history will not be kind to you. Your sheltering and protection of Mike Madigan during the Special Investigation Committee was a disservice to Illinois and to all of their constituents. That was House Republican leader Jim Durkin of Western Springs. Durkin was the one who initially filed the complaint against Madigan, and the fact that no Democrats were willing to go along with the ouster effort has been a sore spot for him ever since. There were, however, 19 Democrats in the House who did refuse to re-elect him as Speaker. That was enough to deny him another term. The 19, as they called themselves, were made up mostly of female House members, many of whom were already upset with the string of sexual harassment allegations that had been leveled against members of Madigan's staff and inner circle. This is a watershed moment for our state that reminds us of the work ahead as the former speaker's case makes its way through the legal system. We remain grateful to the people who joined us in bringing historic change to our chamber and our party. That was State Representative Kelly Cassidy, a Chicago Democrat who was among the group of 19. And now here to talk about the case and what it all means are two members of the Capitol News Illinois team, our State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and reporter Beth Hunsdorfer. And I guess the first thing I want to ask is, this is a 22-count indictment, but a lot of the charges seem to be kind of related to one another. Uh, Jerry, can you talk about what are the specifics of the indictment and what are the schemes that they're alleging here? Yeah, a large part of it is the Commonwealth Edison stuff. We knew all along that he had been involved in this, according to allegedly uh, uh, ComEd's deferred prosecution agreement, in which they admitted to a years-long bribery scheme aimed at influencing legislation through who was then uh, called Public Official A, who the d level of detail in that uh, deferred prosecution agreement made clear that it was the Speaker of the Illinois House, even though Madigan wasn't named. So it was just sort of he put his weight behind legislation that would benefit the company through rate hikes. ComEd is a, one of the state's largest public utilities. I think you had gone into that earlier. And then the, what was sort of the new stuff here was that uh, he was heavily involved with a, a Chicago City Councilman, Danny Solis. He's referred to as Alderman A in the indictment. Uh, he was the zoning board chair. Um, and he was, uh, we now know, wearing a wire, working with the feds, and was an informant. And he had just had a lot of dealings with Madigan, where Madigan allegedly had relied on him to steer business toward Madigan and Getzendanner Law Firm uh, in exchange for favorable zoning stuff. Um, all of this is spelled out in the indictment, and I found one particular uh, exchange which was interesting. It involved a company referred to as Company C, uh, a joint venture um, that was looking to develop a large multi-unit apartment building in Chicago. 
and they were seeking favorable zoning. And on page 82 of the indictment, uh, it quotes Salise Alderman A as saying to Madigan, I think they understand how this works. You know, the quid pro quo, the, the quid pro quo, which to which Madigan allegedly said, okay, very good. And then the next paragraph, it says, the next time they met uh, in July, a, a month later, uh, Madigan allegedly said to him, you know, don't use quid pro quo. Uh, he privately told Alderman A not to use that phrase, saying you're just recommending because they don't get a good result on their real estate taxes, the whole project will be in trouble, which is not good for your ward. So you want high quality representation. Which almost makes it sound like he was aware of the possibility that he was being recorded when he's telling somebody, don't use these words in a conversation. Uh, yeah. Is I, that kind of what what came through there? I don't want to read too, through the lines too much, but we know the speaker was always a very careful man, and it could just be that level of care he took to everything. But, you know, it, it, that stood out to me as, as being directly quoted. That means they got him on tape somewhere. And there's a couple parts in that where a comment in the indictment where a ComEd officials are directly quoted and uh, Michael McLean is directly quoted. So we know they have tapes. Okay. And Beth, there was also a category of charges that had to do with a state-owned parking lot in the Chinatown area of Chicago. Uh, can you talk? There was a developer that was interested in... Um, putting together a, a residential in a hotel development on but it needed to acquire a parking a public parking lot that was held by the state of Illinois and Madigan worked uh, behind the scenes to kind of get the um, secretary of the Department of Transportation and introduce legislation to transfer that to the city so it could eventually be acquired by this developer don't see in the indictment that that ever happened and they don't identify the developer in the uh, in the indictment either and we should probably point out that it's, it's rather common practice uh, in federal indictments that when somebody is identified in the indictment but they aren't the person or the entity being charged they will be called company a or public official b or individual c something like that uh it's kind of standard practice so as to not drag people's names uh into a controversy when they're not the person being charged even though sometimes there are details in the indictment that clearly reveal who they are uh, but I did want to ask one thing for, for both of you. I mean, a lot of this sounds like the, you know, uh, patronage politics that we've seen for decades in, especially in the Chicago area, but also in other parts of Illinois. Is this different, like, on a quant quantitative or qualitative scale than what you would normally see in Chicago politics? I don't think the feds would have indicted on 22 counts if they didn't believe so. You know, I, I, I can't speak to whether it's different than what we'd see or, or, or whatever. But, I mean, if you look at the vast majority of, of elected officials, as the governor said, you know, they're not engaging in this level of stuff. You'd, you'd have to assume that. Madigan doesn't seem to think so. He, he's, he seems to think that this is, you know, the job recommendations, such as the stuff that he had 
you know, recommending Scalise, uh, Scalise for the um, Commerce Commission and the Labor Relations Board, both jobs that paid over $100,000, was just him doing what politicians do, making job recommendations. And we heard him say very similar things when the deferred prosecution came out uh, with Commonwealth Edison was all he did was recommend people for jobs. Uh, he recommended, uh, got internships for people that he thought were deserving of them. Uh, but clearly, if you look at the emails and the conversations within ComEd, uh, the people there thought it was clearly something different. Right. Well, and I, I would say that with Solis, too, the uh, sort of deal there was that Madigan would recommend him to the future governor, who, of course, was going to be J.B. Pritzker, uh, for an appointment to one of those positions at $100,000 in exchange for Solis sort of directing uh, some of the people that come before the zoning board to Madigan and Danner for business. Uh, that's what's alleged in the indictment. And, of course, uh, John Lausch Jr., who we heard quoted early on in this podcast, um, the Northern District of Illinois attorney, he said there is absolutely no uh, allegations against the governor in this, and the governor's office says, you know, we didn't appoint Solis to anything. We have no record of, of that sort of ask even being made. Um, so it's possible that, you know, once it was divulged in the Chicago newspapers that Solis was wearing a wire, that all of that ended. Okay, and then finally, uh, we heard from Representative Kelly Cassidy uh, there earlier who said that she uh, was grateful to the people who joined us in bringing historic change to the chamber and our party. Um, is the chamber and is the Democratic Party really that much different than it was uh, before Madigan left? I think you can't underestimate the level of pull that he had that he does not have anymore. I think it's not going to be a drastic, quick shift away from that, but things are certainly different, I would say. Okay, well, we are going to leave it at that for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting program of the Illinois Press Foundation with funding from the Robert McCormick Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock on behalf of the Capital News Illinois team saying stay safe and thank you for listening.